Oh my gosh. Please do oh not be insufferable. Do not. God, I'm so excited. No, no, no. No, no. No, no. Do not be insufferable. We have basically what's happened. If you listen to this, we have the opportunity to interview the one and only Caleb Shomo from Bear Tooth. No, Yasmin. Oh my God, my ears. I'm so sorry to everyone who's listened to this. You now have tinnitus for life. I'm um, going to cry. So Yasmin's melting down. I've just told them the news. They're very, very excited. Um, oh, so it was I'm a, so sweaty right now. It, we're going to go in. Um, we'll be doing this interview tomorrow. We'll go in. We'll have a chat with him. Yasmin, is there anything that you want to do for this episode? Foam at the mouth. Oh, I want to intro it. You know when we're like... Hi, you're with We Were Black and we're with Caleb Schleimer. I want to I want to say it. I want I want to be like I want to pretend it's my podcast and you're just my friend on the side when the reality is this is your podcast and I just bother you every week. Okay, well how about let's put let's put the intro music here and then you can do the intro for the oh podcast. Oh god. One time, one time only. Okay. Are you ready? Today we are here with the man, the myth, the musical legend, Caleb Shomo of Beartooth. Well, thank you so much for the kind introduction. I appreciate it. And the owner of a very cute dog. I love He him. is. Oh my goodness, my Raph. That's my boy. Oh, I love him so much. I haven't seen him in so long. Uh, but I get to go home to him and he's been at the vet and going through the storm in LA right now and we're just going to sit and hug each other for a good 48 hours before I do anything else. So that'll be nice. Well, Caleb, right now, what we're going to do is we're going to run through some of the highlights because you've been such an inspiration for, I know you've been going through your own journey so publicly, but whilst you've been doing that, you've been carrying this humongous audience with you on that journey and people who listen to your music because they identify with what you do. Mm. So, how old were you when you actually first started playing music? Before I can remember. Um, honestly, I, I don't remember. My mom tells me about... Um, so, my mother was a piano player, uh, is a piano player. She's, she rips. Um, and a lot of music in my family. But, yeah, she said she'd, like, set me on the piano and I'd, like, pound out little things. And I mean, my first memories are sitting by, like, a boombox just listening to cassettes and music and... You know, my mom would like play stuff like Toto and Yes, and we'd dance around in like the laundry room while she was doing laundry, and she'd like bump records. And um, you know, my dad was a really big Motown fan, and um, played a lot of like Michael Jackson and a lot of um, I don't know, we had like Temptations and uh, yeah, just a lot of music around. I love that. I think that mix of music and different elements is probably what's given you the amazing brain to keep changing things because let's be honest right you were 15 in attack attack mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah God. 15 yeah when it started full time yeah you completely changed the scene in so many and i know at the time it probably felt very different but what you were able to create and that sound and the impact it had was huge yeah, uh, I mean, it definitely was, especially when I look back on it. I'm like, that was a really short run. I mean, we were a band that was really active from 2008 to 2012. 
That was it. Wow. Yeah. And to wow. think that that like that whole Ohio scene mm-hmm. really changed the genre as a whole. Oh, that scene was so cool to come up in, and, and like some of Michigan as well. Um, there were just some wild bands that like ended up really making it out of that, and um, yeah, I mean that shaped so much of who I am, and being a part of that scene was like crucial. Absolutely. How did you do it? Because there are certain people, right? And I've always that are almost too sweet for the music industry and you are that person and you (laughs) you have one at such a a good heart that's always come across how did you manage to navigate that at 15 uh learning through doing i don't know um i mean it just kind of happened like attack attack was a whirlwind and i just kind of held on for dear life and you know, I think it's pretty clear through Beartooth and through some things I've talked about that that had a lot of different effects on me and everybody involved. And um, I want to shout out, I don't know, my parents are two incredible people that were really, really supportive. And I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, I mean, they were okay with me going on the road full time at 15 years old. Um and I'm talking full time. Like, I think my dad says, uh, for the first year of touring, I was out like 43 or 46 weeks of the 52 in the year, or something like that. Unreal. Um, and that's yeah. that's hard work for anybody. I mean, it, yeah. it seems glamorous, but it's it's really hard. Oh, it was wild. And I mean, we were all children, so we were all one year apart, and I was the youngest. And um, yeah, I mean, I remember going out summer of 2008 we went into the so we had like you know kind of been a local band before getting some traction on myspace got signed went into the studio made someday came suddenly straight out onto tour full time and um i don't know i I mean it was wild and but when i look back on it, it honestly i still look so fondly on those early years of like just no cares at all in the world it was like we got five bucks a day uh, something like that. That's like what we would try and live off of. And, um, I don't know. We were just idiots. <laughs> like we had so much fun. You weren't um, bad though, because like you watch back to con- considering you were 15, <laughs> like I watched back on interviews with you on like warp tour and stuff mm-hmm. and you handled them with ease. Well, I, I am so glad that I wasn't interviewed oh, I know, at that age. Like there's no record. No, thankfully. <laughs> Um, cause that would have been embarrassing cause MySpace was a whole thing. And oh yes, it was. There was a clash between the old metalheads and I feel what you were able to do is you really challenged what heavy music was in mm. so many ways. It, it's so funny cause like we, I didn't even realize it was happening when it was happening. I want to credit a lot of that to Johnny Frank, um, who was the guitar player and now has a project called Bill Murray that's outstanding. Um, He's still a very good friend of mine. Um, Love that dude. But he was so fearless in the way he creates. Still is. Like, I mean, you can hear it through his music now. Like, that element of Attack Attack, that was the, like, just, if it didn't, like, make us laugh, then we didn't do it. But, or I I don't know. He just, he just knew what 
it was time to do. And like, we just did not care what anybody thought. And we were just doing it for the, for fun. And like, I, I, I don't know. It, it was a very profound time. And, um, yeah, I mean, we definitely ruffled a whole lot of feathers. People <laughs> hated the fact that we were successful. Yeah. People absolutely yeah. despised it. Um, so many bands. I remember on like that first Warp tour would just be openly talking shit about us on stage, and we just we were like, "All right, like whatever, we're just out here having a blast." Like, cool. Like, we didn't even, honestly. It, it we just it didn't really get phased. Um, That's amazing because it yeah. was it was it was it was a tough time. And it, it still yes. can be like that. Like online is a really difficult place. But you talk mm. about the genius of music, and I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it is it is only a little bit. It feels like such a big distance. But to the the birth of Beartooth, mm-hmm. I will never ever forget the day I heard Sick. Mm. Like I remember, I was doing a new band show, and I was like. This has to be, oh my gosh, this, I, this, we're doing this as single of the week and shouting about it to all of the metal magazines and then finding out that you did that all yourself, wrote it yourself, played every instrument. Do you look back on that time and go, that's, I bossed that. Like, <laughs> do, uh, I, I honestly, it's so interesting, like, because to me, it's it's from a such a different perspective. For me, in a weird way, it's it was more difficult to be collaborating on other things and calling it my own. Um, like I've I loved, you know, my first band, my first local band. I was the drummer. I you know I was a guitar player. I learned like guitar, bass, and drums all at the same time. Like the last thing I was of anything I do was a singer, and um. And even before that, like I started learning how to produce and mix and demo and everything when I was 15. And um, it, it all, to me, it's all like one thing. It's just making a Beartooth song um, is what it is, how I view it. Um, so like, and even with the mixing and the, it's just this one kind of fluid process. Um, but with the Sick EP, you know, I'd already started kind of, delving into that stuff a lot more with attack attack and with the last record that we put out which was this means war and that was the first record that i like produced and engineered and mixed and mastered um and i i loved it and i'd already been working with some other you know local bands and and smaller like rise records bands and and things like that but I'd been doing stuff like Beartooth for a long time, um, but I'd never, like, really chosen to to make it a priority. And and as the story goes, as people know, Beartooth was, like, my kind of just outlet to do exactly what I wanted to do when I was very unhappy with my life and what I was, what was going on in my musical life and my personal life and whatever. Um, so, like, yeah, I... I... I don't know. I guess I just view it in a very different way. I just view it as like I, that's just me making a bear tooth song. It's it's just kind of like the most natural thing for me to do. How would you view it, Yasmin? Because you, oh, I'm gonna make you feel super old here. <laughs> 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 I've been married 
<laughs> Sophie hates this. I would have been, what, 2013 or 2012 did it come out? 2013, I think. 13, I want to say. Yeah, it was 13, the first record I was, was 2013, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was 14 when yeah. that came out. I sure. was prime age, and I feel like that, that too. EP... <laughs> I feel like that EP altered my brain chemistry, because, like, you know, coming up in the scene, especially when you're not, uh, uh, I don't know, there was a lot of toxic masculinity in the early 2000s. Oh, and like, God, yeah. Oh, Warped Tour era, I like to call it. So, like, having... Yeah, those were some... There were some dark ages. <laughs> I look back on that, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, thankfully, I was just some wide-eyed kid in kind of this whole separate area of the scene, but my goodness. You yeah. were so oblivious to all of it, but my God, 10 years ago, even just even 10 years ago, the scene was, like, a yeah. different place. Mm-hmm. But then when you came on with the Sicky P and then eventually discussed it was like such a nice kind of change of kind of the same narrative that was being spewed a lot which was like yay we're men and we love to objectify women bah, 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 riff, 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 riff. and it was like great breakdown but not like the message <laughs> the message isn't great yeah. but um no i feel like that i remember when it came out because it was all over tumblr uh, i remembered reblogging it being like oh this is so cool this is so awesome and then here we are now yeah. It's amazing because wow. it had yeah. such an impact on different generations. And I think that was what was so powerful about it. And I think you, Caleb, have always told a story with your music. And in many ways at that time, I do feel like you were releasing Beartooth felt like a breath of fresh air for heavy music. Because mm. um, I was working at a, a heavy music magazine at the time. So we went through to um disgusting which was like you going uh you think that's good wait till you see what i can do now i'm gonna write the catchiest songs you've ever heard as a scene and then that's when we were able to get like those really heavy but catchy songs Mm. which is something that you seem to have brought back that we'd kind of lost at one point in the metal scene Mm. um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that, again, that comes from, like, just what Beartooth is, and it's just me having the kind of safe space to just do whatever I want to do that I kind of created for myself. And, like, I, I've i always, like we talked about, you know, like, I was so influenced by pop from such a young age and, like, incredible songs. And um, that's always, like, that is just in my core and... Um, I really love all that. But then the heavy stuff, also, like, you know, Devil Wears Prada, I worship that band. And, like, um, you know, all that stuff, like, and and I grew and I evolved and my, my taste changed. And I don't know, I, I think that's just what was coming out of me at the time and the best way to represent how I was feeling um, and kind of, like, the, the desire to, you know, want to grow and change but at the same time I still was you know I was like 20 years old and 19 whatever it was when I started writing all that stuff and just figuring out who I wanted to be and it's and it's not a straight path it's you know there's a lot of twists and turns on that and um so yeah I think musically like the record is very much one like there's not a ton of twists and turns on the record but I think musically for the time it was probably a little different than a lot of people were 
used to hearing, I suppose. I think you're too humble. I really you're do. I think, humble. and then way too humble. <laughs> we move forward to 2016 aggressive. 2018 was disease. That's when you got your first Karan cover, mm-hmm. which was an iconic moment, I think, for fans. And how did you feel getting a first like music magazine? Because that was was that the first music magazine cover? I think so. I mean, absolutely on that scale um, of a, mag- a magazine that was like. Oh wow, this is like the real deal. Um I don't know. I I think there was a lot of things that I was able to kind of just be like, ah, that's I, I'm very detached from Beartooth's success in a lot of ways. I I'm so it 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 is so just like my life and so all consuming that I never can take time to look at it from the outside. And even mentally I can never really take time to look at it from the outside. Like I'm just on you know, stats and numbers and things like that. But yeah, I mean, that was a period like with um, disease where things just started happening. And I was like, okay, this is different. Like we're headlining some serious rooms and like we're getting some awards and people are like, there's a lot of notoriety happening. And I don't know. um, Honestly, I think it was for me at the time. I mean, it was kind of scary and intimidating and, and like, you know, so like the album Aggressive is is really about me trying to like come to terms with the fact that this project that was just like a meant to be a very personal, small passion project is starting to like happen. And, and you know, I, I didn't know how I felt about that. And that's kind of what Aggressive was. And then like with Disease, it was just this whole different level of like, all right, whether you want it or not, it's happening. So like. Either let go now or hold on for dear life. Hold and on for dear life. I, I'm glad I chose to hold on for dear life because we're at a good spot now. But yeah, it, it came with some with a wild journey. But yeah, that era was was very pivotal. Um, I think it's beautiful yeah. that I think it's beautiful that in your I feel like what you were showing us in your music was your darkest moments, mm. and what was amazing is that the world then got behind you because there was so much love for you. And coming forward, Below felt like a real a real shift. That was a real oh, yeah. turning point. And, and I'm very aware of time, so I am trying to rush as much as I can, but we come up, yeah. to, up to today. And what I love is I heard a quote about you saying, you are now done with being self-deprecating. Mm. You are done with being sad and done with obviously we all have emotions but you're yeah. done with putting it all out there and you want to live your life to its fullest mm. and I think that's so inspirational for so many people listening because it shows that there can be hope yeah oh absolutely things change and your feelings change and as you grow people think age is like a bad thing right it's like this dirty word but isn't it the best it's oh, incredible turning 30 is like there, yes. honestly like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think about my 20s and like this whole first chapter of Beartooth that is like these first five albums that really is at the core of the story of my 20s. Um, it's fucking wild. Um, like, my goodness, it there was so many ups and downs and so much confusion. And, you know, I just really had no idea how that chapter was going to end. Um, and to be completely candid i really believed that it would end 
in a very different, much darker way than it did than it did in real life, um, thankfully, which is nice. But yeah, you know, like coming from the below era of just being completely stuck in the darkness and like all that hope was gone, all of it. Um, and, and we all felt that, you know, that record's like a period piece about what it felt like to be in the pandemic, but also, you know, being predisposed to depression and abusing booze and, and hating, fucking hating myself constantly for so long every part of me um like no breaks given no no positivity no choosing to do anything about it just living in it and like embracing it and goodness it gets dark um i think it was chester who who said these are dangerous streets to walk alone yeah and it always sticks with me yeah. It's so true. Oh, it is very true. Uh, it is incredibly dangerous. And, like, I think about... I, I just think about some run-ins I had with myself at that period of life. And, you know, I I feel incredibly, incredibly blessed that I was able to kind of grab a hold of myself and, and pull myself out of it. And... I don't even know how to explain it. I don't know how it happened. But the one thing I do know is it started with me speaking things into existence and making choices out loud and letting people know what I was going through and what I was feeling. Um, You know, specifically, I'll talk about a few things that are on this record that are, I think, really important to me that kind of like, give some context to how I got to where I am now. Because I think to people that don't know much about me, or even people that do, they're just like, well, what the fuck happened? Wasn't he just this dude who is just super depressed all the time and just writes songs about it, and then all of a sudden he's just this, like, happy-go-lucky, everything is good? It's like, no. that There was a long process that went into that. But it started with with speaking about the things I was going through, which I'd never have done. I have always been a person that keeps everything in. I, and it's, it's very unhealthy, but I would choose actively to put myself through pain to, in my mind, help other people. I would be like, okay, I don't want to put this burden on them. I don't want, if I'm causing any sort of remote negative energy in anybody's life, I am not, that is bad. That is wrong. I am not doing... It is more healthy for me to completely wallow in this misery than let anybody else feel an ounce of it. Um, And so, you know, we're, we're coming out of below. This is probably like mid um, mid to late 21. It's actually, it was a big reason I stopped drinking. Um, But I wrote a song about it called Look the Other Way. Um, but the, the specific situation that I want to talk about, which is something that is very, I mean, I'm okay talking about it now, but at the time it felt so embarrassing and I was so ashamed and I, I, I just never thought I was going to get out of it. Um, but I've, I've always dealt with body image issues and hating how I looked and fucking that that took a very large toll on me through the years and I've fluctuated I mean just factually I've fluctuated weight so many different times and um 
had a really hard time controlling that and especially being like a really big boozer um during the pandemic like that was really hard and I felt like I was just losing control over so many things in my life so something reared its head that I hadn't really been having any issues with since I was about 19 and that was bulimia and it's it is a very interesting thing to be to be going through um and you know, it felt so shameful and I felt so embarrassed and so like, why the fuck is this happening? And then, you know, I, and it, it was, it was a few month period and it just continually got worse and worse. And I felt like the more out of control my life got, the more intense it was getting. The thing that changed it was when I said something about it out loud for the first time because I was trying with every ounce of my will to tell myself that I had it under control and that it's going to be all right and I can get through this by myself. If I tell anybody else, you lose. You are wrong. That's not okay. And it was literally killing me, like quite literally. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the the song Look the Other Way, to get specific about it, is about the night that you know I woke up after a usual night of very heavy drinking and, you know, throwing up anything that I was eating. And I just felt in so much physical pain and my body was shaking and my mind was just going absolutely crazy and I didn't know what to do. And I just, in this one weird moment of divine universal intervention and clarity, I like shook my wife and woke her up at three, four in the morning, whenever I was, and was just like, hey, I've been dealing with this again and I'm just I I just said I was just like I'm this is happening there wasn't like any like I need your help like I need this I need whatever it was just I've been hiding this I've been ashamed of this and this is something that I'm going through and just simply the power of saying it and putting that energy out into the universe of expressing that I want to change I don't want to do this anymore and um, that was the beginning of everything for me. And then from there, um, and it was like this this weight was gone. It, it was like, and I, it, I was like, oh, that's all it took. Like, I just had to like stare it in the face and just say it out loud. And then it was the same with drinking. You know, I, I had been trying on my own volition for quite some time. I was like, I don't think this is really healthy for me anymore. And this is just isn't something I want to be part of my life. Um and we were on a train in in London, and I just had one of those moments of clarity, and I just blurted it out and was like to my wife, and I was like, "I want to stop drinking," and and then I I told her, and then I texted the band, and I texted my family, and I was just like, "Hey, this is something I want to do. I don't know what this means. I don't know if this is forever, but I have to say this, or nothing's ever going to change." Um, and then. From there, a week later, I wrote Riptide. And I said, this is the last time that I romanticize the Riptide that's trying to drown me. Uh, referencing my depression and my anxiety. And what I mean by that is is um, romanticizing it was me choosing to live in it. Um, and, you know, knowing that there's probably other practical things I could do to deal with it, but just choosing not to. And letting it just drown me. Um and the the choice is powerful. It's fucking powerful. 
and and um manifesting is fucking real is very real it's very powerful shit and um so then after that year and a half later we have the surface and we have me and we have me accomplishing goals that i've never thought i could ever achieve like you know riptide specifically was a very important release it was the scariest thing i've ever done it as a release but like i had goals and i had things that i wanted to do and like i said you know i'd always had so much body image issues and it's hilarious that like in the pursuit of mental health I found the physical health that I had yearned for for so long, but it was because I was just chasing my mental. It's like, for me, my chemicals are way more balanced when I'm working out and when I'm eating healthy and when I'm really focusing on what I'm putting into my body and, and like self-love, like respecting my body and loving it instead of just fucking hating it like I did for so long. And um, yeah, that led to, you know, kind of the like, the me just showing the world what it is from here on out and like what I'm at least working very consciously toward and in this new side of myself and honestly yeah like you know people are always like does this guy own a shirt anymore <laughs> like that's like a very common thing that people that people talk to me about and it's all about empowerment and it, it's all about um to me like it was something that I hated so much for so long, like myself and my body. And it was very important to me to make that a part of, of the show and a part of Riptide and a part of the record and a part of who I am is it's like, whatever I'm going through, I am putting in the work to love who I am. And, um, that's what it is for me. It's work. Um, it's, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Do you even realise, Caleb, you have been through such a journey. And let's be honest, a lot of us get into heavy music, not because we are mentally feeling great about ourselves. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> we get into it because we are in a dark place and we've mm-hmm. all felt those feelings, whether it, whatever it comes from. Mm-hmm. And when you sing, there's certain vocalists on this planet and there's only a handful who are able to be so raw. And I would say... There's yourself, there's Corey Taylor, um, Jason Alon Butler. And you've brought us on that journey with you because we identified with you. And now what you're doing with this army is you're teaching everybody how to love themselves and that you're spreading hope in this world. So not only have you changed the scene, had a massive impact on the scene, you're literally spreading wellness. And so... I don't know how many artists can say that or have been able to do that because I know mm. that from you, it's not coming from a place of, oh, I'm doing this because it'll sell records. It's coming from a place of, of real, it's a genuine place. So this episode, the title of this episode is Giving Caleb His Flowers for Everything He Has Done for the Scene. And that is exactly what we're doing. We would like to give you <laughs> some flowers, some flowers so to say, Ooh. Thank you so much for everything that you have done for the scene and everything that you have brought in the scene. Feel feel free to rip it apart. I don't know if it will come out or not. Um, Thank you so very much. Because you have changed <laughs> changed the scene for so many. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, thank you. That is an honor. It, and honestly, you know, 
if this was a few years ago, I would, you know, say, oh, no, 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 blah, 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 blah. But all I'm going to say is thank you very much. And I appreciate it. And if I could ever be any influence for positive change in somebody's life through whatever path that is and whatever it looks like for them, um, thank you. And I, I appreciate that greatly. We're glad you love yourself because we love you, Caleb. Well, thank, thank you for joining you. us here on our Wednesdays We Wear Black. It has been an honor. Thank you. Yasmin, my guest, is flabbered. <laughs> Don't... No, 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 no. Did you notice? Can I just say to everyone listening, right? I I gave... I know you're probably thinking Sophie spoke loads during that. I gave Yasmin the opportunity to do that entire interview by themselves. I was so starstruck. And Yasmin was like, no, I want you to lead it. And Yasmin sat there like a fucking bird. You were silent i was in awe i was i could not believe <laughs> that we as a podcast got to this point where i could sit across from this man and just chat just chat bear shit i asked him about his dog he told me about his fucking dog i already know about his dog i keep up with his dog i follow his dog on instagram okay i already knew i was asking that question be like how's your dog i know how rough he is Ugh. i forgot to tell him that you are tiktok famous as well i forgot to embarrass you i, f- I forgot to mum sophie out so i'm a bit disappointed me, by the way after we stopped recording sophie turned around and went Jasmine, haven't you got a bear tooth tattoo and i went no i do have a bear tooth tattoo i went no and then sophie went didn't you used to be obsessed with Bertie? And I went, yeah, Caleb, I'm not going to lie to you. You were the reason that I was so unhinged as a teenager. Congratulations. Do you know what my favourite part was? It's when Caleb walked into the room, bearing in mind Yasmin's spoken on this podcast about how they've met Caleb a couple of times, but was too um, goop to say hi. Caleb said, hi, nice to see you again, because he obviously remembered seeing you at the Heavy Music Awards and things like that. And you were like, you acted like you didn't really know. You were like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you. Um, I don't think we've met before. No, I said to him, nice to meet you. I think we've, we've met before, but I don't know if you remember me. And then I went, my legacy of you remembering me. And I talk about this all the time, right? Story time. The first time that me and Caleb Shoma met in a professional capacity, not me being a fan, right? I had just walked off the stage at the Heavy Music Awards. I just won. We just won our award, right? For the best podcast. I got off stage. I opened the door and I screamed. I went, oh my fucking God. Who was behind the door waiting to collect his award next? Caleb Shoma looked at me, went, congratulations. I went, oh. Uh, uh, Big uh, deal for Yasmin as well. And then like, walked off um, yeah. and cried and got lashed, got so drunk. Um, but... Yeah. I did tell Caleb that you used to make videos about him and cry. Zach Zavini is such a heathen. That man that saw all the videos I made about his bands, crying to them. Who's Zach Zavini? He's the he's a producer and he works with like Waterparks, Beartooth, and he found my videos and showed them to all these bands. That man. <laughs> In a more um, serious note, I want to say a massive thank you to Caleb because he very rarely opens up in that way which I respect him for because the stuff he was talking about was super private super personal and the fact he opened up to us just it I am so grateful for it because you know Yasmin I did some research approximately one in three people with an eating disorder is male yeah and yet I would say Caleb is the first person I have ever heard talking about an eating disorder that was male 
honestly, it's more common than you think. And yet the stigma around men suffering, especially in, you know, with certain mental health issues is still so poignant. I feel so bad and I'm glad he spoke about it. Um, and that's why I wanted you to lead the interview. That's probably one of my favorite interviews we've done because you just you just have a way to connect with people. You look into their soul and you're like, tell me your deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> I look into their soul and they go, you look like someone's child. And I go, yeah, I'm Sophie's friend. <laughs> I just, I really respect Caleb. And I, the more research I've done into it, another fact that I found, Yasmin, is that studies suggest that the risk of mortality for males with eating disorder is higher than the, in, it's higher, the risk of mortality is higher in men than it is in women. And yeah. I know I'm speaking in binary terms there, but that's where the study was looking. And I am so glad that he looked into this, that he did the work because, and I said it to him there, you know, you just heard it. We've watched him suffer throughout the years and he's shared it as amazing music that we identified with. And now he's showing us that hope that you can love yourself because he, his energy as he walks into the room is contagious. I know. He's super like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, he's sparkly. (laughs) He's so sparkly. Crying in the corner. Yeah. I just want good things for him. And I'll tell you now, I honestly think this album is one of the best. Beartooth's best. Yeah. Like the first the first EP blew my mind. And every album he's released has been amazing. But this, again, is a level up. I'm amazed. I love you, Caleb Shimo. I hope you're having a great day. I hope your wife's doing great. I hope your dog's doing great. <laughs> I already know because I follow all your pages. I'm sorry that I'm so obsessed with you. I just love him. I feel like you can't work in the music industry without having one band that you really love. That is my one band. That is your band. And you know what? We we love Caleb. I love to see everything that he's done. And I love to see how much he's grown Beartooth. And... I really respect him for speaking about what it was like being a teenager and coming up yeah. in the scene. And I liked how honest he was about the toxic masculinity in that time because it's something that you don't see a lot of men talk about but it, it was a really tough time and like for someone who was 15 coming into that and having to navigate through that it, it must have been difficult and I wish I could have articulated that in a way that sounded like it does now instead of being like yeah <laughs> 2010 was rough right but you know what fair play to him because I watched an old interview because when I was prepping I, I literally just spent about 15 hours researching every interview he's ever done and I watched one of his old Brian Starr's interviews oh my god and he's so young, but the way he rolled with Brian Starr's bullshit was so impressive. That says a lot about his grounding as a human being because he yeah. he could have become one of those toxic males. But he just he could didn't have... put up with it. He really didn't. Yeah, he didn't. And you know, as I think I've said it on this podcast before, and I'll say it again, when I first got into Beartooth, I said to one of my friends, I was like, oh my God, I found this new band. They're fucking amazing. Because I didn't, I wasn't... Uh, I, I, I hadn't realised and put all the pieces together. And she said, oh, it's Caleb Shomo, who used to be in Attack Attack. And she was like, my friend is dating Caleb. And she was like, he's a really good guy. And you can tell because he never cheats. Yeah, and never cheats. That is such a sim- simple thing. I didn't say this to him. But like, obviously, as industry people, you watch and you know when band members are cheating on their spouses. Oh, yeah. And all the fucking time. Caleb has moved with respect since the day he got he with He loves his wife. He oh loves his wife. And I love that he loves his wife. It's honestly so inspiring. Like, I dreamed to have that one day with a lesbian, but not right now. I'm not 
in the mood for a relationship and I'm in, in the mood to listen to Bare Teeth and Cry. <laughs> the fact that Fleur supported him so well as well, so it's a testament to her. So I love them. <laughs> all of our love to Bare Teeth and thank you so much um, to Caleb for chatting to us and to for Caleb's opening team. up to us and to Caleb's team. And um, hopefully we'll see him at another award ceremony when we win our next award. I know. Hope we can we can like what's the word? We can share awards. We can. Okay, you've taken it too far. Um, right. So Yasmin, I don't think we'll say any words of wisdom because Caleb had all of the words of wisdom. He's such. He really did. He really did. The man has grown. Like he is a. He felt he's an adult. Do you know what I mean? He's a man. That's a he's man a man. Right he's a thing. A man. A man that can somebody that can talk about their feelings like that is like a man. Man, I need to marry, but as a woman, because again, very gay. Anyway, I just have to put in that I'm gay in every episode. Anyway, wow. Okay, that was a really confusing little uh, conversation. So we will, if you want to follow us, <laughs> you can do that at I am Sophie K. You can follow me at Yasmin Subinex, or you can follow the both of us. We wear black pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever social media app there is in the world. You can also email us, we wear black pod at gmail.com, and tell us who we should interview next, because we like doing it. Who do you want to see us chat to? I'm still in awe of how silent you were, Yasmin. Um, so <laughs> that concludes our episode. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. You were listening to On Wednesdays, We Wear Black. Please rate and subscribe so that we can keep doing what we do. Special thanks goes out to the Nova Twins for the badass music and Wargasm for the killer screams. See you next week.